0: Welcome to the Let's Get Disruptive podcast. My name is Sean McCleary and I'm excited to bring together some of the leading figures in the tech community to discuss some of the disruptions they've come across in their careers. Whilst it's great to talk about successes and there will be plenty of achievements discussed on these podcasts, I'm a big believer that some of our best learnings come from adapting and overcoming challenges. So we will be exploring our guests' personal challenges discussing things that they've had to overcome from a business perspective, and also covering the many challenges around recruiting and retaining the best people. Our objective is to provoke thought around topical industry challenges and empower listeners with the insight and wisdom from people who have been there, done it, and in fact are still doing it with some of the best and most disruptive organizations out there. Sat with me as our guest on the Let's Get Disruptive podcast today is Gabrielle Earnshaw. Hi there. <laughs> Hello, Gabrielle. A principal consultant of one of the UK's leading tech consultancies, Infinity Works. Um, Gabrielle has some really impressive experience, not least of all starting with a master's in engineering from the University of Oxford. You've worked with some industry leading software houses and consultancies. You've been a developer through to head of product engineering. And now you're a principal consultant at Infinity Works. I personally love in- Infinity Works' ethos and description of themselves as the home of thinkers who do and doers who think. So, welcome, Gabrielle. Um, thanks for joining us. A thinker that does—is that an a- accurate description of you currently?
1: A thinker that does, yeah, probably. I mean, it's—I'm quite new to Infinity Works, so it's—it's it's something that I've thought about quite a lot. And then sometimes I think, yeah, I'm a doer who thinks, and sometimes <laughs> I think I'm a thinker who does. But yeah, probably more a thinker who does.
0: Okay, yeah, love it. Okay. I want to start off with your academic background, if that's okay, Gabby. Um, You studied uh, metology, economics and management at Oxford University, including a master's thesis in recruitment, What an interesting mix. Can you expand on this, please? It
1: is a bit of a mix, really. So I was always really into um, into science. Um, I loved physics and chemistry. And when it came to get looking at a degree, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, But I knew I wanted to keep it as broad as possible, um, which I, I ended up doing. So um metallurgy uh, which nowadays is is called material science really because we, we do other things apart from metal um it, it is quite a wide-ranging sciencey subject and then I had to the opportunity to do the giants schools of the economics and management so mixing in a bit of reading and, and essay writing as well so yeah that's how I ended up doing that but yeah it was um a challenging course but a really yeah, good one
0: I can imagine and your thesis is something i'm really interested in so i believe it was about self-selection to increase retention rates and if i think about um the listeners and the the audience here from the tech community one of the biggest challenges we always get our people are talking about retention of staff so can you expand on your thesis and that self-selection piece
1: yeah sure i mean so i should i should probably um start off by saying that my thesis was terrible so it was absolutely (laughs) awful i can't even actually remember what the title was um but i think the learnings i took away from it were really valuable so i was in an engineering company um a really small kind of company in the north of england um so quite a different sort of employee base than the ones that i typically work with now in tech companies Um, but they had this real kind of problem where um, they'd recruit people, they'd train them up and, and the people just didn't last. They didn't come to work. They used to fight with each other, Mm -hmm. um, or they just went somewhere else. Um, and so I did quite a lot of studying around, you know, like how much time, they'd spent with them in the interview right. you know kind of how much they got to know them and how much they told them about about the company before they came yeah. uh, and really the kind of the reading and research that I did really led me to see that the more that you can show um, your interviewee and in the interview about what it is that that you're like and you've got to offer yes. um, that lets them think about whether they want to be a part of that, yeah. that organization or not um, and that gives you a much better kind of chance of employing someone who's going to be happy there and stay there and work hard and want to work for you. Um, as opposed to, um, I mean, that was quite controversial back in the day because you would typically send your CV in. And then, um, well, as I said in my, in my prep, be judged by a man in a suit. And it it almost always was a man. and He was always wearing a suit. Um, and even in my early days of tech, when I was helping out with interviewing there, you would have a stack of CVs and you would very, you know, be very judgmental about them really, you know, like who's gonna, who's gonna get past the bar to get to our interview and who will we deem worthy. Um, and you just kind of judge them on quite arbitrary things and, you know, throw some people away and bring some people in. And, yeah, you've got to select, but you may as well select the people who want to be there. Yeah. And, and and also you don't want to rule out good people who... you know just on on something and and like you say I think we
0: probably do that a lot better these days in the recruitment industry but having been in recruitment myself for 18 years I've seen that change you know yeah remember my first recruitment interview and they did the old school rip my CV up in front of me brilliant and get me to fight (laughs) for it so you know it's it's crazy to think now actually I really like this thought of self-selecting and getting them to make sure that they fit in to the culture and you know in the right way because that's going to increase retention obviously
1: I think I mean now Nowadays, that's kind of necessary anyway, because the tables are completely turned. If I'm trying to recruit, um, say, for a mobile developer, you know, there are lots of positions out there and not so many great devs. So you really have to compete to get them to come in and want to work for you. Yeah. So um, that that old rule book has, yeah. has gone by <laughs> by. Yeah, thankfully.
0: Thankfully. Um, you started out as a risk analyst, um, at National Australia bank. Um, and what I found interesting is you, your kind of introduction to coding, I suppose, was automating some of the more tedious tasks you saw, which eventually moved you into software engineering. To me, that sounds like, um, you know, a clever way to cut a few corners started you into what's become a very rewarding career.
1: Yeah, that that's right. So, um, Like a lot of, a lot of techies, I had done a little bit before, so I had my little spectrum and, um, back in those days, if you wanted a new game, you had to get the book and copy it out of the book. Uh, So, um, I had no idea what any of those weird symbols meant, but I've done a little bit of that, but yeah, so I went into risk analysis, um, and it quite frankly it was the most boring job I could ever imagine. <laughs> so we used to kind of print out big tables of percentages and then draw on them highlight a pen of interesting numbers. Um, but every week there were a team of four of us and, and we rotated around, we had to create these weekly reports and it took pretty much all day. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's often, it's often said that the developers and engineers are kind of intrinsically lazy people. And I, I cottoned on fairly quickly to the fact that, um, if I could figure out how to automate some of this stuff, then I could have a much longer lunch break on a Friday. Um, and I was also helped along by the fact one of the placements I'd done in one of the engineering companies, um, there was an IT manager there and, uh, she had a book about, about programming and I said oh, I'd really like to try some of that can I can I try it and she said oh no I think it'll be too difficult so <laughs> like, obviously that That's was like that, ball, yeah, yeah that that was kind of, <laughs> of ticking over in my mind but I had no idea how to get into it because you know like it was the early days of PCs the yeah. internet wasn't really a thing yeah. um so I, it was just kind of on the back burner but then I got this opportunity um to learn um I can't remember what it was called VBA, so Visual Basic for Applications. So programming the Microsoft suite of programs. Um, so yeah, I automated all this um all this spreadsheet um stuff. Uh, I'm not sure how happy my colleagues were about it because I think they kind of liked kicking back on a Friday <laughs> and just kind of going through the through the rigmarole of doing that. But yeah, so I got my longer lunch break and Bad then.
0: I'm envisaging you kind of sat in the pub across the road while everyone else is still having <laughs> yeah. spreadsheets with the highlighters. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's you're long enough
1: like... it ago that I can say that. and no, it wasn't quite like that, but yeah, that that was the dream. That yeah, was the yeah. dream. Brilliant.
0: So um, you've grown your career in software engineering. Um, you know, you've been a developer, you've been a tech leader, you've worked for software houses, and now you're working for, for a leading consultancy. What What's that journey been like through your software engineering career so far?
1: Yeah, I suppose it's been a pretty ad hoc um journey really. I think nowadays people, you know, they've got their plan, they've got their goal, they've got their list of companies. And I was never like mm-hmm. that really. It was, you know, I need um I needed a job. So I found this this job in um technology and banking that unlike like a good thing to do, and that was a risk analyst job. Uh, and then I got into development and, and getting that first job was pretty hard because, you know, I'd never done programming before. So it was I had to blag it. But once I'd got in to do that, um, it was then quite easy to get opportunities for other things. Um, but yeah, after that, I just, I mean, I just really have always loved um, doing interesting work, solving hard problems uh, and working with smart people. So yeah. I kind of just looked um, for those opportunities, really. And it, it was fairly kind of organic, yeah. I would say. Um, I got some good opportunities and and fairly by chance worked at some pretty good Good companies and got some good experience Brilliant. So, um, and I've always tended to prefer so after that first job which was a massive multinational bank I and mean, that was very corporate yeah. very kind of not really me um, and since then I've always preferred smaller companies of course. Uh, and that's great because you get to do so much more than your job title really yeah, yeah. you get to see a lot more about it you become more commercially aware yeah. you get to touch stuff that that you might not otherwise so yeah, it's just gone on from there, really, and I've really? stayed as long as I've been interested. I've kind of stayed, and Amazing. as long as I'm learning. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah.
0: And and what what would you say has been the challenges from that step into software engineering? Because it sounds like you've naturally ran through that, but I'm guessing there's been some ups and downs in that process. What what are the things that the learnings that you've taken away? Would you say from your career so far?
1: Um, I suppose I suppose resilience is is a big one, um, and that's something that I've seen. Um, Something that's kind of concerned me a little bit um, about things like boot camps springing up. So I think they're brilliant. And I think getting more people into tech is only a good thing. Um, but I have seen when I learned how to program, you had to be really resilient. You know, right. they, you didn't have the Internet. You just had books and you just had to really be prepared to run into that brick wall time and time again. and yeah. You know, like feel like. Um, you could never solve a problem, but then actually get there. And I think the problem with um, with some of the easier access courses is that you can spend a ton of money and get much further down the line without actually validating if you've got that skill. Uh, okay. Um, so I have seen people find that a bit tricky. And, it, you know, it's kind of, it's really it's really difficult, um, you know, if you're working with someone like that or mentoring someone like that and you're trying to say to them, you know, it's hard. Yeah. You know, every day I go to work and I don't know how to solve the problems that are in front of me. Yeah, yeah. I just know that I will be able to somehow. So, yeah, um, yeah. so it's, get, it's getting that resilience really and um, kind of knowing where to look for the answers. And, right. uh, but but yeah, I think the big one really is just getting comfortable with that feeling of, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's interesting. There's a lot of similarities there with recruitment because, um, we always say that one of the worst things someone can do in a recruitment career is come in and make a load of placements straight away because yeah. they think it's easy and there is a bump in the road yeah. at some stage and they're maybe not as well equipped to deal with that bump in the road when it comes later down the line. So I really like that idea. Um, Look, well, one of the, the, the obvious constants um, that, that I wanted to, we've not discussed yet, and I wanted to talk about is you're clearly a woman in technology. I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and look, this is such a hot topic at the moment. Um, you know, just looking at some of the stats and headlines in the media, it's, it's clear that, we're away way off from having a more gender balanced workforce in technology in particular. I mean, to give you an idea, um, WISE, which is women in science and engineering, says that 23% of the people working in STEM roles in the UK are female. Um, while PwC states that only 5% of leadership positions in the technology, technology industry are held by women currently. So a lot of way to go. Uh, I think. Could you share some of your experiences of being a woman in tech over the years and how you've seen that evolve?
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's still a huge disparity and there's there's obviously a lot of work to do. Um, so it's not something that I've ever that I ever noticed early on, um, but with hindsight, it's something that you know really is a big a, a big issue. I suppose. Um, I think the biggest thing really is that I've always been one of either one or two women in, right. a, in a, you know, fairly small companies. Yep. Um, and, and I've been quite, quite lucky really to work with other female engineers, um, but they're very few and far between. Um, and it's been great really coming to infinity works. Cause I was like, wow, there are, <laughs> there are other women here. This is, this is brilliant. Um, uh, uh, and times have definitely changed so when i first got my first tech job you know there was a lot of banter which nowadays would probably be illegal yeah. uh, and it's interesting because at the time i i didn't really think anything that bad of it oh. you know it was kind of from people that i would I would have said were friends and yeah. probably still would say were friends oh. but the things that people said yeah. in that kind of jokey office culture were yeah. were very different right. you know people would never say that oh. um, and i think there's the there's also it's something that you don't notice until someone points it out. And I, I went to a talk um, a couple of years ago and it was about mansplaining. And the yeah. woman said, like, you probably have never noticed it. And now you're going to notice it all the time. And I suddenly thought, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah, this is so annoying. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think the one that sticks in my mind is I was in a, a meeting um, about an engineering. It was a product, actually, not not software. Yeah. Um, and I just said, you know, I think, I think this is actually m- much easier than we, we're thinking about and, you know, Surely we can do this or this. And and some some random guy just said, um, oh, I think it's probably a lot more complicated than no, you realise. No. And I was just like, <laughs> silenced, really. Oh. I was like, I couldn't, you know, like if you it's always with hindsight and you think, oh, if I only had said that, if I only had said, but I've got yeah, a master's in engineering exactly. from from Oxford. And yeah. and and I just sort of thought, but I think I think my problem with that is I tend to disengage a little bit. Right. So I don't like conflict. I don't really like fighting it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. um but and also in the early days, I mean, it, it wasn't really who I was anyway. But anybody who did kind of make fuss or well, make a fuss. I mean, that that phrase in itself just shows you how bad it is. Yeah. But yeah people people would be picked out as troublemakers and wouldn't get on. Whereas, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's so different now that um, diversity is a big topic on everyone's you know everyone's minds and and having a lot of great advocates and you know people who actually do try and pick out. Um, women and help them yeah. help them along and you know help make sure that their their voices were heard of course yeah i mean that's another one like one of my early uh, engineering roles and again it was quite a good progressive company but we had um we had a joke in the meetings um that one of one of the women would say something and and the boss would like completely just not hear it and then one of the guys would repeat it and he would say that's a great idea and the guys would say but you know, but Gabby said that. And uh, so we had a running joke that if we wanted to say something of note, we would lower our voices. Okay, right. and, and, and it was kind of more just to be like, you know, are you listening to us? Because, um but yeah, just stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's
0: I think the key bit to, pick out from that is is like you say is the the kind of the disengagement the fact that you've then got disengaged with that or maybe then wouldn't contribute another idea or wouldn't yeah. want to speak up or you sound like the type of person that would continue plugging away yeah. but, but I think you know if you if, if we go back to some of the challenges maybe that is why certain people are getting disengaged or not engaging with the industry in the first place so I mean how, how, how have you overcome those challenges both in terms of you as a woman in technology, but then also thinking about your role of maybe trying to get more women into technology.
1: Yeah. So I think, I mean, like I always think it's just about, um, trying to lead by example, really. So it's just keep plugging away, keep doing a good job, keep, keep producing the results, keep working with people. Um, and, I don't think it's, it's not, it's not something that I've ever been negative about, you know, if you kind of spend your time saying, oh, you know, this is terrible and, you know, where are all the women and this is all really sexist. Um, you know, sometimes stuff does need calling out, but, but a lot of the time that's, that's not the way to to do it from the inside. Um, And yeah, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like I had some kind of master plan. It's kind of just, just how it, how it goes really. But yeah, I just think, just think working well, working quietly, getting Mm -hmm. on with people uh, and just kind of proving that you can do the job is, is, um, well, hopefully how I've, (laughs) how I've done it. Um, well,
0: you're clearly, clearly a good role model to a lot of people on that front. So that's really good advice. Um, what about the, the kind of in, engaging people to get in the industry? Have you seen any initiatives that either Infinity Works or the businesses have done to try and maybe look at a more diverse workforce of getting them in the door initially?
1: Yeah. So there's loads of stuff going on on now out and about. Um so at Infinity Works, we've got our our academy, um, so that kind of brings in people who haven't got much experience in the in just industry. Um, and we had a couple of women on that this time, and hopefully those numbers will go up. I mean, mm-hmm. still like massively compared to the guys, it's, it's it's a disparity. Um, I think really the issue goes back much earlier than that, and it's getting women interested in those subjects and interested in that industry. Yeah. Um, so um, I didn't do a computer sciences degree. I'd, I had no idea that that was even a thing that you could that you could do it didn't kind of cross my radar at all um so it's really kind of getting back towards um, younger women school-aged women you know seeing that there are those role models in out there in the in technology um and there's some companies in over in leeds the sky have got a really great a program going where they bring in. Um, they have a program I think that's just for women. Um, I don't know a lot about the details, but I know yeah. that they bring people in and cross train them. So right. they have people who are um, not only women, but also tech returners. Late, yeah, less, yeah, later in their career, yeah, yeah. you know, some of them have done a little bit and, yeah. and found it. Um, you know, not a very nice environment, and left and come back. And I think some of them have just also come come to it. Yeah. Um, and and that is great. I mean, it's a great lesson um, that we can get women into tech, but also a great lesson for the industry as a whole that you don't have to have done it since yeah. you were a child you know you don't have to have got that computer sciences degree you don't have to have that cv that started at 20 or whatever that's gone through people who've got other skills and experience have got a lot to offer yeah. you know and, and really a different a different perspective that the rest of us can learn from yeah
0: brilliant um as well as attracting people, that, that's probably say the biggest challenge that that comes up um, when we talk to some of our listeners is about retaining your best people. Yeah, um, and and clearly part of that is keeping them engaged. Um, yeah. You talked about them enjoying the job that they do, um, and and if I look at my business, for example, we're, we're big on people playing to their strengths because yeah. we feel that they'll 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 be enjoyed and retaining the business a lot longer. You've gone through that journey doing both management and technical. What's been your experience of the balance between progression and still enjoying the things that you do in a role?
1: Yeah, so it's. Um, I think this is a kind of uh, uh, a kind of typical tech thing. that reaches a point in your career where someone tries to force you to choose. You know, like you're really mm-hmm. good as an engineer and now, be a manager, yeah. um, and it's something that I sort of never really wanted to do, and then. Um, and then you get to that point, and you think, well, should I do it? Should I not do it? Um, so I gave it a go. I was talked into it and I really didn't like it at all. I mean, I just felt I like to get my hands in the tech. You know, I, I really like um, running teams of people and mentoring and coaching and yeah. doing a bit of that. But being removed from kind of the tech side was just it was just a nightmare for me. Yeah. Um, so I really then had a bit of a rethink, you know, do I want to be a manager or do I want to be a techie? Uh, And I think it's kind of thinking, you know, if, if, if I couldn't progress, but be an engineer, how would I feel about that? And I thought, actually, you know, I could quite happily just sit every single day, um, not talk to anyone and just build stuff Um, that, you know, that's not my, that's not my, um, 100% ideal you know I would rather be doing teams so I thought you know I really want to get back to doing the the techie stuff and that's really how I ended up um, at Infinity Works yeah. um, which is just kind of perfect but, you know because we're so technical of but, but you can have a you know you can have an impact it's the lead um, in a way type yeah, of thing. yeah yeah that's right and yeah. you know you can have an impact at a senior level without just suddenly feeling like you're pushing paper and makes sense you know I kind yeah. of I kind of felt a bit like I don't know like a like I was a tennis player and someone took my racket away. Right. You know? it's okay. just like I'm on a, I want to. want to do that. I want to be over there yeah. playing with those kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it makes yeah. sense. Wanna, okay.
0: And what what experience could look because there's no doubt uh, lots of people out there who are probably going through that similar kind of challenge at the moment. What what experience? Uh, what advice would you give those who are at that fork in the road, I suppose, between management and technical, and um, how would they how how sh- how they should play it?
1: Well, it's kind of a tough one. I mean, I always think um, try it because you don't know unless you've tried it. So if you get that opportunity, unless you've got a really strong feeling against it. I mean, we're at a really lucky point in tech at the moment where there's loads of jobs. Um, and there's always new opportunities. And I really think being open to stuff and trying it out is, is the way to go. So like in my case, it, it wasn't quite what I wanted to do, but it was some really good experience along the way. Um, I got to do some good, good work doing it and it all worked out okay. Yep. So I think... Uh, you kind of got to be that kind of person. Uh, and that relates back to the engineering and the tech as well. To be good in engineering, you've always got to be learning new stuff, trying new stuff, open yeah. to new ideas. Cool. Um, and I think it kind of it kind of um, it reflects with that path. Um, but I think it's important to understand that being a manager is a very, very different job. It, it isn't just like the like the bigger the the biggest person in you know yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. In, of the engineers, like the growing person <laughs> of the engineers is a very different job. Of course. You know, it's, yeah. it's all about keeping your team happy and yeah. blocked, keeping it all flowing. Yeah. Um very different skills. Yeah. And um yeah. Uh uh, and good skills, you know, and uh, and the, the, the benefit of being a manager is that you can, you can do more stuff, you know, as, as an engineer working on your own, you can build one thing, you know, as part of a team, you can build a few more, but as a manager or, you know, director or high level, you can build masses of yeah, things. Yeah. And, and that is very appealing to, yeah, to a lot of people. Of course. But you've got yeah. to be engaged with it. Yeah, you've definitely, got to be engaged with it. I completely agree. Yeah. It's a full-time
0: job. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I suppose going more onto the, the future of the industry. Part of what we talk about on this podcast is is what is going to disrupt or some of the challenges or key trends um, that are coming in the industry. What what do you if you think about the industry going forward? What do you think are the key trends or challenges that we need to be aware of?
1: Yeah, so I've already touched on it really, but I really think it's diversity. You yeah, know, we've got, uh, there's loads of kind of people talking about it now and people are starting to realise um, that you don't have to have um you know a set of employees who are all cut from the same mold you know they don't all have to be um white guys yeah uh, 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 that are 35 You yeah. know? um so i think it, it's realizing that and and starting to challenge ourselves really to to really find ways of recruiting people that that will be good at the job and fit into the team rather than just be the same as us yeah. um and that's brilliant. Cause we've suddenly got this much wider talent pool and we yes. can all learn loads of different things. Um, I, I think it does present challenges though, because, um, you, you know, kind of typically in an interview, you kind of get this feel about someone and, you know, how will they fit in here? And it's like, you know, someone, <laughs> someone like me, you'll do, you, you, like you know, you'll fit in. Like you yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and everybody does. And, I, um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but, but it's kind of how we learn to open ourselves up and and work out who's going to be a good fit in that job. But that doesn't necessarily, you know, like look like us or come from the same area or speak the same language. Um, uh, and again, it's really good. I think it's one of those things that gets a little bit of momentum and then it kind of takes off a bit more. So as soon as people start, start doing it a little bit and they get people in and they think, Oh, this is great. Um, and it, you know, maybe, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe a bit more, it just felt like a bit of a box ticking exercise. Right. You know, it's like, we've got to be diverse. Right. And then people started writing articles and talking about, you know, actually this is good for our business. And it was still a bit like, you know, they're kind of finding a way to justify it, but now people are actually starting to believe, believe that it. and yeah. understand it because it is, you know, I it agree. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, 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 whole thing that, you know, if all your users of your product just look like you and, and are the same as you, then you might get away with it. But in, in the tech world, that is not the case. You know, like products are international, you know, we've got lots of different people using them and having people who understand those those cultural nuances is is, is vital it's as so well important. as all the other yeah, experience yeah. that people it, bring. It's
0: interesting because um, I'm part of a recruitment network called The Power Hive and we do a big piece around the power of difference. Uh, and as you say, the getting those different perspectives, different personalities, whether that's gender, gender, race, religion, whatever it might be, I think um, makes such a difference. And and um, I suppose linking back to technology as well, something that that I found quite interesting was a debate I was listening to around how technology is almost um, narrowing people's opinions. Because if you think about social media and algorithms on social media now, they're, they're kind of, plowing more and more of what you like to you rather than kind of opening you up to this world of of maybe stuff that you don't like or you're not interested in so so it's quite interesting the irony of technology wants to be more diverse but in some ways technology is making us less diverse Uh, yeah it's interesting
1: yeah it is interesting i suppose people kind of naturally kind of resonate with the stuff that they like um but yeah and also it's the it's the type of content as well you know because if stuff is really kind of opinionated or diversive um sorry divisive Mm. you know like some people gravitate to that and I think it I don't think it's about getting the opposite side of that kind of kind of a view it's more about I don't know, kind of positive, constructive stuff. So learning stuff that you might not know about yeah. rather than, you know, like, oh, I'm really, I'm really right wing. You should yeah, learn yeah. about stuff that's really left wing. Yeah, I don't think that's. Trying to force that's...
0: your opinions onto other people y- or be controversial yeah, about oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's,
1: um, yeah, it's not such a, such a good thing, I don't no. think, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Um, A lot look, look to finish off, uh, Gabby. I always ask people to come up with a quote or a concept or something that's stuck with them through their, their challenges or their disruptions. So, um, yeah, over to you. What, what, what is there anything from a quote or a speech or anything that that's kind of stuck with you over your time that you would pull out?
1: Yeah. So not, not a quote as such, but, um, from a talk that I went to, um, a woman did a, it, it was a woman in, women in tech conference, but she did a really good um, talk about um, how when you kind of start to get some success in your career, it's your responsibility to pull up, pull up the people around you. And that was specifically about women, you know, that was trying to get more women into technology. But, yeah. you know, I think this applies to everybody in, in general. Of course. Um, and that was just something that really resonated with me because I just think it's great to be able to work for companies um, where the more you can bring your team on, the more you personally get success. So it's not like you're kind of clambering over people, stabbing people in the back. You know, yeah. that's kind of like the typical yeah, the typical yeah, yeah. image of success in business. Oh. Um, so I just really like working in an industry where it's the other way around. Yeah, so you yeah. can kind of like get get a step up on the ladder and then bring up the people around you because the better they do, the better your team's going to do. 100%, so. the better
0: the people, the better the team, the better you are essentially. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Brilliant, and I love Everyone's love Yeah. yeah. I look, I think that that you know, your challenge and approach will will definitely help pull up some of our listeners. So thank you very much, Gabby. Thanks for your time. Great. Thanks for having me. It's been
1: brilliant.
0: Thanks for listening to the Let's Get Disruptive podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review.